Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of the Post Pro Res. And uh, if I'm filling in for John Pollock, that of course it's special. It's always special when I'm here instead of John. Uh, but I'm very excited because this is my first show ever that I get to do by myself with WH Park. How are you doing, WH? I'm good, Way. I think the last time you and I talked on a podcast was my very first podcast with you and John, where we covered the Super J Cup 94. Well, yeah, when was that? I think that was 2011. Oh my, wow. That was just before I came to Japan. It's been way too long. It's been way too long. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think this is a special occasion, because I, I think this is the first all-Asian post-wrestling podcast, maybe even in the law's history. So, Post-wrestling is woke. It's so woke. Yeah, look at us. We're a Chinese guy and a Korean guy talking about a Japanese wrestling show. Uh, and I live, in, you live in Canada. I live in Japan. Yeah, we're uniting the world here. We are the world. Anyway, so yes, uh, this is a very special edition because uh, this is sort of um, a, a, an idea that we had for our Wrestle Kingdom show, and that's to do a bit of a primer. Uh, and, and the idea behind it is that the goal of this is to try to educate somebody who's a, maybe a newer fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, perhaps a WWE fan who's looking to find out what all the fuss is about. Uh, I myself, I've been a casual New Japan viewer in previous years, but this is really the first year that I'm totally on board it's been incredibly rewarding for me. Um, so if you're listening to this and a bit more of a longtime fan, treat this as a refresher for yourself. Uh, please bear with us if we have to kind of explain something that you may already know, but I think you'll get something out of this too. So uh, before we touch on the G1, uh, WH, I wanted to get some of your quick thoughts about the uh, Cow Palace show that took place this past weekend. Wow. Um, while I was watching it, I watched it maybe like an hour after I'd finished, but I didn't get any spoilers really. So I was able to watch it kind of fresh. Um, I liked the show overall, but as it went along, I just was just astounded by the sheer ineptitude of whoever set up the ring. Mm. Those those guardrails, why were they not tied down? Like mm-hmm. they they like took out Jim Ross, they took out that poor timekeeper. I'm sure Juice Robinson was not feeling it as well, or Jay White. Um, I I just was like astounded. Who 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 set up this fucking ring? <laughs> area i just couldn't believe it i it, it's a story that has slowly unfolded as the show uh uh has concluded i mean yeah certainly i i would love to uh hear the who who is actually held accountable for something like this um and but beyond that though like once you think you know earlier in the day if the reports are true that uh, jim ross had mentioned something about him or the fact that like after that first Irish whip in that Jay White uh, um, uh, Juice Robinson match, and that guardrail just went flying, like, do you think there's any onus on the performers to you know change up the match, knowing that hey, this is not necessarily the same as as you know uh, the guardrails that we're used to? I think, like in the case of the Jay White Juice Robinson match that took out Jim Ross, um, I think that was just them being in the moment, in the heat of the moment. He's not thinking mm. about. The safety of like what's going to happen. He's just going to okay. This is the spot I'm going to do. I'm going to throw juice in here, and unfortunately, it drove the table. I guess straight into Jim Ross's ribs, broke mm. them maybe, knocked him off his chair, got Josh Barnett out of his seat, and he's going to kill Jay White. I think if he got a hold of him, maybe um, that looked like a work when I was watching it. I'm like, this is really strange. I totally and thought so. 
And then they're dropping F-bombs on air on Access TV. I'm like, okay, maybe this is not a work. And then I can understand Jim Ross then being, like, really uh, pissed off throughout the rest of the broadcast. Because, you know, generally thinking, speaking, like, when, when you listen to Jim Ross do a New Japan show, it's not really the best performance he's giving. Um, and he doesn't sound like he has that much passion for the product. But he just sounded really angry throughout the rest of the show. And now I can understand why. That's totally mm-hmm. understandable. Um, as far as the rest of the wrestling goes, um, I like most of the matches. Uh, all things considered, the the Hiromu, you know, Dragon Lee match is kind of hard to think about without thinking about his injury. I just read that he was able to get on a plane and go back to Japan, so that's a good sign, I think. Um, I think match of the night was Jay White and Juice Robinson. It's really, really good. Um, I'll say this about the main event. As I was watching it, I was liking it at first, but as it slowly progressed, I was like, I just felt like this is so stupid. This match, I thought was for the was a world title match, straight ahead match, and it just became a TLC match throughout it. And I, it didn't make any sense to me. The thing that killed it for me was when like Omega threw Cody over the top, and he landed on that table, and I just jumped out of my seat. And I was just like, oh my god, I hope he didn't kill him. That was so stupid. Why did you do that? And I, I didn't like all the like kind of quote unquote acting in this match. I think all these guys are really bad actors. They're, they're, they tend to go over the top and kind of be really melodramatic for me. I know a lot of people don't mind it. I, I just can't stand it. I, I think Kenny Omega is like amazing wrestler. He's a great athlete, but he's a horrible actor. So I'm just <laughs> like not on board with that main event at all. Mm, wow, hot take. Uh, but okay, cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I can see that. I, I'm somebody who certainly doesn't mind uh, a lot of the melodramatic acting. In fact, like... I almost find it uh, kind of endearing, um, but uh, I, I see your point. And, and can you maybe elaborate a little bit about why you think like the TLC nature of something like that might be a turnoff for you? For me, it it it's just like I don't like that. I like logical booking. I like things to make sense. One of my big big pet peeves, as much as I love New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of my big pet peeves is this like disregard for the logic of rules and the and the use of referees in these matches like new japan is probably the worst promotion for using the referee and i think red shoes ono is the worst referee in all of wrestling i've seen better refs working like your sleazy indies in japan i've seen better refs working like chikara or you know like you know the the most indie show coming out of america like he is he's he's also one of these guys who wants to be an actor like you know one of his big spots if you notice like if someone grabs him like by a shirt He'll then like turn to the the crowd, to the audience, and say, "He pulled my shirt. He pulled my shirt." I'm like, "Why are you doing this? You're you're so terrible. Why are you the Ted ref of this, the second biggest promotion in the world? I don't understand." Mm. Um, but I didn't like the way it went from like supposed to be a straight ahead match. They never stated any stipulations, and then they're busting out ladders, they're busting out the tables, they're hitting each other with foreign objects. I I just don't, didn't like it. I just like this is not what I. F- picture as an IWGP title match. And this is, you know, coming off of like the big title win Omega had off of Okada, which is a straight ahead wrestling match. The only stipulation was there was no time limit since two out of three falls. But then they and they stuck to that stipulation, you know what I mean? Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, we won't spend too much time on the Cow Palace show. Uh any other thoughts quickly before we move on? I oh I like the angle at the end. I thought it really freshened up all like Tamatanga especially. He has been doing nothing this year, really. And then now there's some intrigue as to how he's going to fare in the G1 Climax this year. Um, 
and we'll see like what's Fale going to do. Whose side is he on? I think he's going to go with um, Tama- Tangaloa and Tamatanga. Um, I think Taiji Shimori is probably going to be uh, slotted with those guys as well because Tamatanga is the one who introduced him into the Bullet Club. Um, the yeah, tong- I mean, the I- Tongan Taiji Shimori. That, the honorary Tongan, because like right. Fale's got those T-shirts, right? Honorary Tongan. Probably he's getting Chase Owens. I saw a video. He put it, his in the garbage or something. Yeah, maybe someone's gonna grab that and give it to mm. Ishimori. Okay. All right. Cool. Excellent. So let's move on to the the G1 Primer portion, where we'll talk a bit more about uh, Fale and, and uh, Tamatanga here. Uh, so very quickly, um, the G1 Climax tournament. Uh, there are going to be 19 events in this tournament held across various cities in Japan over the months of July and August, with the final three culminating at Budokan Hall. Uh, WH, in your opinion, what makes the G1 so special? G1's climax is like comes out of like a rich history of tournaments that existed in Japan for wrestling, starting first as the World League and then the, the International Wrestling Grand Prix, which is where the IWGP title names come from. Um, and these were all meant to make, you know, kind of celebrate the the top wrestler of New Japan Pro Wrestling because they didn't have a world title, a proper world title until they created the IWGP title. Um, but then the G1 Climax was specifically designed to get over their like rising stars. So the G1 Climax, uh, the first one, which is 1991, was designed specifically to get over Shinya Hashimoto, Keijimudo, and Masahiro Chono. And Masahiro Chono was the first winner of that. And subsequently, like Hashimoto won it, and Mudo won it, and it established them as the you know the three musketeers, as they were dubbed, as the biggest stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling, following like the kind of generation of Riki Choshu and Tatsumi Fujinami, who pre- and the preceding them was like Antonio Noki and Seiji Sakaguchi as the native Japanese stars. So this is the G1 Climax is always the place to see where the company is going to take the current crop of wrestlers and who's going to become a main eventer in the future. We saw that clearly in 2016 with Kenny Omega becoming a main event superstar in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Before he was like on that cusp and that that win put him over, you know, in 2016. So, it, it where would you say kind of the current incarnation of the G1 uh has uh, when when that started with the uh, winner receiving a title shot at uh, Wrestle Kingdom? Oh, I can't remember when that was. Um this is a recent thing because like sometimes the um, the, the the champion would win the the G1 climax. That hasn't happened in recent years. I think the last person to do that was Kensuke Sasaki back in like maybe 2000 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been a recent thing. I think uh, I'm being put on the spot. I don't know. It's okay. I think it, it's it's I think it's a modern era though, like where the Wrestle Kingdom because it kind of coincides with Wrestle Kingdom becoming Wrestle Kingdom, not just the January 4th Tokyo Dome show. Is then dubbed, you know, the right. Kingdom brand was put on that. Um, so if you're a, a new listener, uh, you're probably familiar with r- at least Wrestle Kingdom. It's their January 4th show. Essentially, uh, it's their WrestleMania. And uh, the G1, of course, predates Wrestle Kingdom. So WH is talking about how maybe in the past it was just used as a tournament uh, to, to really highlight their, their new stars. Um, but at least in its current incarnation, the winner of the G1 tournament receives a briefcase containing a contract uh, that can be cashed. Uh, well, I mean, essentially, it's not even cashed, and it's just automatic, right, that that person gets that uh, coveted Wrestle Kingdom main event after the well, G1. Recently, recently, they do this thing where, like, you, they, the, the holder of that briefcase will defend the briefcase between now and uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 
like on Destruction or on uh, King of Pro Wrestling, it might be defended, you know. Gotcha. No one's ever lost it, though. No one's ever lost it, so right. we'll see if that happens. All right. Okay, so uh, we'll move on to, to the blocks of the tournament. And uh, what I want to do here is to just briefly go through the pers- participants of each block. We'll discuss a little bit about each man, maybe their year so far. Uh, for, for new viewers, I want to discuss or just quickly highlight maybe some finishers and signature moves so that they know what to watch out for. And then their storylines, if they have one going into the G1. Um, so all of these matches will be broadcast on New Japan World, which is their streaming service. Uh, you can find out information, how to sign up on, on that if you choose to. And for the first time, there will be English commentary for all of the G1 matches provided by Kevin Kelly. That's awesome. Yeah, like I, I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Kelly on commentary, so I'm looking forward to listening to some of some of it. Usually, I watch mainly in Japanese because I feel it's a true experience. Mm. All right, let's get into the A block here. So uh, this is a round robin style tournament, meaning all the participants of uh, each block. There are two of them. Uh, will be facing each other throughout this course of uh, of these 19 shows. There are going to be five tournament shows per show. Uh, that is, of course, until the final, the finals, which is uh, the winners of the, uh, the the two blocks at the end. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe how the point structure uh, breaks down? Uh, so the way it works is that a win gets you two points, a draw gets you uh, a one one point, and a loss gives you zero points. Gotcha. All right. So in A block, we have starting off Hiroshi Tanahashi. The longtime ace of the company, uh, essentially they're John Cena. And like John Cena, he's taken a step back from the position in recent years. How would you say the past year has been for uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi? Kind of been up and down, hasn't it? He started off defending uh, his uh, IWGP IC title against uh, the returning Jay White, Switchblade, and successfully beat him at Wrestle Kingdom. And then he started a program with Minoru Suzuki, who decimated him and took the IC title off of him. He then challenged both of the Nada. Both, oh, actually, yeah, all three of those names are quite significant, because they're all members of the same block. Yeah, and so he's going to have all these matches with people he's been facing in significant matches throughout the year. Uh, and then he challenged Okada for the IWGB title and to kind of defend his record of most title defenses, which he then lost as well. So he's not been having a good year. He's also been racked with a lot of injuries. So. You know, it's kind of interesting to see how he's going to do in this tournament. His signature moves are the sling blade, the twist and shout, and the high fly flow frog splash. Um, Now, uh, do you have any other thoughts about maybe how his tournament will will go? Do you have any predictions that you'd like to give right now? Even though he's banged up, and he's been banged up for a long time, he always has a good G1. Like, Mm -hmm. he's he's always emerging as a top point getter. Um, I I have him finishing pretty high this year, actually. So I think he's going to do really well this year up next we got togi makabe can you tell us a little bit about togi makabe his in-ring style and in particular i'm curious to to hear from you somebody who lives in japan about his stature outside of pro wrestling okay so togi makabe has been you know wrestling for over for quite a while maybe over 10 years in, in new japan he's of the kind of same generation as tanahashi he's like kind of a generation in between nagata and tanahashi of trainees um, he's been IWGB champion once. He's won the G1 once. He's kind of winding down. He's like not exactly like Tenzan level or Nagata level in terms of like where he is in terms of 
like his stature in the company. But he's kind of getting there. I, I don't think he's going to have a very good tournament as far as points go. But he's always reliable to count on. You can count on him have a really good match, especially if, if he's going to fight against another brawler, like, say, against Tomohiro Ishii, for example. Um, I, I think he's going to have a good match against most people. It'll be different. Uh, he's going to beat up a lot of people in the ring. Um, his finishing move is the King Kong knee drop. Um, as far as his outside of wrestling, he's quite famous for being... Uh, he's a, He does voice dubbing for English like English movies dubbed into Japanese. Um, he's known for loving cakes and sweets, so like a lot of Japanese variety shows will feature him like, we're going to feature this cake shop in Tokyo. Let's send Togi Makabe there. And then he'll go, <laughs> oh... Sugoi. Oh, Oshikata. And then, like, Oshiso. Like, like, that means it looks delicious. Like, you'll see him just in cake shops eating cake, and he'll, like, he'll have, like, his own shows that he hosts where he's, like, talking about cakes. It's quite a thing to see, I have to say. Feels like there's. He's on YouTube. Oh, God. It feels like there's so much I'm missing out on on the whole experience when, when I don't get to watch these variety shows and see their, the, these personalities of these guys. I only see slapping each other in the ring. Uh, okay. He's got quite a reputation. He's quite popular with, like, uh, like women who like to go eat to like who are foodies. He's quite popular with, with that kind of niche audience. Lovely. We move on. Our next participant in a block, Michael Elgin. So, you know, stateside, this is a man who has uh, been a very controversial figure as of late, um, not being booked much in North America, if at all, without getting into all that here, please, you can look it up if you want. Uh, how would you assess his career thus far in new Japan? Oh, he's done pretty well for himself since he debuted. Would he debuted, when did he debut? Six, 2016? And he debuted in the G1. He got put mm. right in the G1, and he that's where they like said, okay, we're going to debut this guy. We, we feel this high about him. Uh, he No, sorry, he debuted 2015. Uh, and he acquitted himself very well that year, um, and to the point where he got a, you know, pretty much guaranteed himself a regular stint with the company. He's been with New Japan since. Um, he's won the IC title. He's been the Never Champion. Uh, he's challenged for the world title a couple of times. He's someone, I don't know if he'll ever win the IWGB title. I think he'll always be in the mid to upper mid card, depending on like who they're focusing on at any given time of the year. Um, again, like he's he, he always delivers G1, so I think he's going to have a good year as well. Yeah, I have him pointing pretty well this year. His signature moves are the spinning powerbomb, the burning hammer. Um, and then we move on to perhaps uh, one of the most... Uh, well, this is Kazuchika Okada, uh, the leader of Chaos, uh, a stable originally created by Shinsuke Nakamura that Okada has taken over. Perhaps the best wrestler in the world today. Uh, he recently concluded his record-setting 720-day reign as IWGP champion He's also the wrestler with the most combined reigns as champion, beating Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, as WH mentioned back in May. So, uh, signature moves are his beautiful drop kicks, the Cobra Clutch, and of course, the Rainmaker. He's going into this G1 without the belt. He's also, mm, not, he also has been winless in, uh, over his past several, uh, uh, performances over the past month. How do you think he'll do in this G1? I think the, the time between, Dominion, where he lost the belt to Kenny Omega until the start of the G1 has been like this period of like, we're going to show him he's down in the dumps. That's his character. He's down in the dumps. He's, he's wearing new pants. That I, and I got to say, I'm coming around on the pants. 
I hated them before. <laughs> I like this new black and red color scheme. It's really cool. I like the. F- I, I'm not sure about these balloons he comes out with. Have you seen these balloons he wears on his tights? I have. It makes him look like. You know what it reminds me of? It's like, uh, you know, you ever play Mario Kart Battle Mode? Oh, you were talking about this with John. On uh, the double shot or something, right? I, I don't remember exactly, but it, it looked like his. Like, it look, looks like he's like a, a Mario Kart with balloons around him that you have to pop in order to beat the game. Right. I, I, it kind of reminds me of maybe It, you know, the, the Stephen King horror movie. Right. Yes. Where they, like, like the red mo- mo- uh, balloons are a motif. I'm looking at a picture of him right now holding one, and it's got a smiley face on it, and the eyes are dollar bill or dollar signs. It's really, it's really hmm. strange. Anyways, uh, I think G1's going to be the start of his redemption. Um, and you have to think about like how you book the G1 depends on like what you want your main event of Wrestle Kingdom to be, mm-hmm. right? So like last year was like the was who was the winner again last year uh, naito yes. so naito's was going to be slated to fight omega uh okada at the at the wrestle kingdom main event uh this past year so that that made sense for what he went through throughout the g1 and what what he, how he was booked the, before that so this is okada's redemption i think he's gonna i think he's gonna win the the g1 this year i think he's gonna go into the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, and I think he's going to face the story. I think is going to be him against Naito again, um, and I think the story of that will be Naito has never beaten Okada in Tokyo Dome. He's never beaten him at Wrestle Kingdom, so I think the dynamic will be this year coming up: Okada versus Naito. Naito will be the champion. Okada wants the belt back, but Naito want, doesn't necessarily want to keep the belt, but he wants to beat Okada as you know in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. Hmm. That'll be his motivation. So for keeping that in mind, I think this is going to be like Okada's like running through a lot of people. He's going to, he's not going to win everything, every match, but I think he's going to win his block and he's going to win the big block winner. Up next, we have making his G1 debut, the newest member of chaos. And that would be Jay White. Uh, Jay White, is a former New Japan Young Lion, which is their uh, yeah, for the developmental system. He debuted a new heel character uh, at the start of this year, at the biggest show of the year at Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, since then, he was placed in major matches against Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kenny Omega, and uh, Hangman Page at the uh, Long Beach show. Uh, I would uh, correct me if I'm wrong, WH, but I would say maybe he hasn't necessarily shown his full potential, at least not. Until this past week, when he and Juice Robinson stole the show for many, including myself, at the uh, Cow Palace show, I think he started really coming into his own skin in this character, like during his feud with uh, Dave, David Finley, leading up to their singles match at uh, Corican Hall. I thought he showed him he acquitted himself really well in the the G One special, uh, not the not the Long Beach show he had with uh, Hangman Page actually. Um, his first match at Switchblade in the Tokyo Dome against Tanahashi, I don't think he knew what to do with himself. It was his first time in front of a large clap cl- crowd. It was his first time fighting someone of Tanahashi's stature as his like push character. But he's finally come into his own. That that performance was just a next level star kind of a, kind of a deal. I think he's going to go far in this tournament. Um, yeah, like I think the next year is going to be very very interesting for Jay White. 
So, of course, in that match, he lost his U.S. title. So he's entering this tournament looking for some sort of redemption, uh, much like Okada. Uh, it's worth noting that, you know, despite being a, a member of Chaos, he does the whole lone wolf thing. So he really doesn't like anybody in the stable. In particular, he's made mention in the past of wanting to, uh, uh, I guess, usurp uh, his, his leader. Uh, of course, uh, he's in the same block as his leader, Kazuchika Okada. So that match could be very interesting. His signature move is the Blade Runner, which is uh, the sister Abigail for WWE fans. Up next, we have Yoshihashi, uh, another member of Chaos. And from what I gather, the consensus on this guy is that he's a very good hand to have, but not necessarily someone who will break out of the mid-card. Tell us about Yoshihashi. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why he's in the tournament, to honestly. He's not had a good year. I always look at the G1 as like a reward. For someone who's like worked really hard and should be placed in here to become a star, Yoshihashi's kind of like window of opportunity has kind of passed. I think he had his best year, like maybe 2016, 2015, when he finally got into the G1 in the first place. He, he quit himself well. He had like a nice year following that, but this past year, nothing. He takes he eats the pins a lot. He's like getting beat up in multi-man tag matches usually. They usually put the heat on him. I don't know why he's in this. I don't see him finishing very high in this in this tournament. We'll see. Like G1's always like a, a place that you, you surprise people with how they actually perform as, a, as opposed to how you expect them to perform. So who knows? But he's not winning. This is put, <laughs> put out there right there. No, you don't think it'll be a, um, a Omega or Naito versus Yoshihashi? Yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, Ghetto's going to throw us all off. He's going to be uh, Yoshihashi versus uh, uh, Tamatanga in the finals. Yeah. His signature moves are the butterfly lock and the karma, which is a pump handle half Nelson driver. Uh, up next, we have Bad Luck Fale, the aforementioned, the largest man in the, on the New Japan roster. He's a member of the Bullet Club, or at least we think he is. Uh, his story is particularly interesting because we don't necessarily know his allegiance in the uh, most recent breakup of the uh, Tongans from the Bullet Club, but we can assume that he might be sticking with the Tongans. His finisher is the Bad Luck Fall, which is like a release razor's edge. Uh, WH, what are your thoughts on him? Well, I mean, have you seen his Instagram? No, I haven't. Please update us. This dude, he's lost a ton of weight. Oh, so he's is he really... no longer the biggest man? Uh, he's, he might still be the tallest man. Because uh, Archer isn't in this tournament, mm, right. uh, but he's dude, he's like slimmed down a lot. I'm not, he doesn't look like you know John Cena or anything, but he's like lost a ton of weight. So there's all this anticipation online about like how's he going to perform? He maybe he's going to move faster. Maybe he's going to have better matches this year. He always does well. He he doesn't finish less than ten points at the end of every ter- any tournament he's been in. So they always book him to strong. They always book him as kind of a spoiler as well. Like you know, like he's taken falls over like Tanahashi and Okada and I think Nakamura when they were both in the company at the same time. So he's always someone you have to watch out for. I don't think he's going to go into the finals this year. I can see in the future one year they're going to throw him a bone and they'll put him in the finals. I don't think he'll ever win the tar- the, the whole thing, but he's someone you can't discount easily. Mm. Also making his G1 debut, uh, another member of the Bullet Club Hangman Page. This is a wrestler who's only 26, uh, but I feel like he's been having a tremendous uh, breakout year, not just in ring, but in terms of personality as well. What are your thoughts on Hangman Page? Yeah, I was really surprised when I, I saw his name, but like, I, the way I see it, it's like he's going to get the Michael Elgin treatment. 
Um, this is his first G1. This is kind of like his first full tour with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Usually he comes in for like special guest appearances via you know, like you know Ring of Honor shows in Japan um, or something with special with the Bullet Club. Um, I think you know like he's someone you have to think is going to get significant wins in this tournament. He's someone to keep an eye out for. He's going to get key wins over key people, and then we're going to see how he does the rest of the year. I think he's going to become actually a regular hmm. uh, on tours in uh, New Japan for the foreseeable future. His signature moves to watch out for are the buckshot lariat, which is uh, sort of like a slingshot somersault into a big lariat, and the right of passage, which is a kneeling back-to-belly pile driver. Up next, we have our first member of uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón that we'll be talking about here, and that's Evil, uh, who up until a month ago held the tag team titles for the better part of this year with Sonata, uh, recently losing them to the Young Bucks. His signature move is the Everything is Evil, which is an STO. What do you see for Evil in this G1? Oh, I think he's going to do really well this year. It seems like he's positioned to like be, go to the next level. He had that kind of brief angle post-match against with Jericho after Jericho mm. attacked Naito. Um, I don't know when they're going to do that, um, what's going to come out of that. Um, last year, he had the most significant win of his career. He pinned Kazuchika Okada, then IWGP champion in Osaka. I was there live for that show, and, and I said this, I think, in the review of that show with John, that <laughs> I, I never thought I'd hear, like, 16,000 people chanting, evil, 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 you know, and, and like, to cheer him on. Um, he's got a rematch with Okada mm-hmm. um, in Osaka, same arena, uh, one year later. So that's going to be a very, very interesting match. Would you would you mind just like for new listeners talking a little bit about maybe the stable Los Ingobernables de Japón, which uh, I mean over over on this in the states I think we or, or North America we hear a lot about the Bullet Club, but I mean on my trip to Japan really I was surprised at just how popular uh, Lij was, and I think that popularity is starting to to seep over to uh, North America as well. Well, Los Ingobernables is a, a, a heel faction that was created in CMML in Mexico. Uh, no, noble members are Rush, who's still there, and uh, La Sombra, who is more well known as Andrade Cien Almas. Um, you'll see Almas do a lot of like uh, Naito moves, like the Tranquilo pose, and do the roll where he like he hits the ropes. He's gonna jump. He's gonna do tope, but he doesn't. He does. The, he lies on the mat. That's all from Naito. Um, so Naito became a member of Los Ingobernables in Mexico during an excursion to CMML. When he came back to Japan, he brought back his Los Ingobernables uh, persona. He changed up his look, his wrestling style, his character. For the better, he was going nowhere fast. Even though he's kind of positioned as this top guy before as a stardust genius, no one liked him. He would get booed out of the building by like Osaka. Osaka hated him with a passion. And so he, came, he, he went to Mexico. He came back. New character, he formed Los Ingobernables de Japón, um, and he was the first member. Then Bushi came back from his injury, and he became a heel. He debuted like a new kind of Rudo character. Then subsequently, Evil joined uh, from Excursion in Ring of Honor, and then surprise members were was Sonata, uh, who, would, who was originally an All Japan guy, Russell One guy, TNA guy, and he came back to Japan. He was doing some freelancing, and then he has a connection with Bushi, so I guess... 
he got him in, into not only New Japan, but into Los Angeles. And then finally, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, who came back from uh, a very you know, significant excursion himself in CMML, where he began his feud with uh, Dragon Lee, and he joined uh, LIJ as well. And they're the most popular faction in Japan. I'm going to say Naito is the top uh, t-shirt seller, merchandise seller, over even the Bullet Club, which, you know, like, if I see a Ring of Honor show or independent shows, like, there's always these Bullet Club t-shirts there. In Japan, they're still popular, but I'm going to say LIJ has kind of, like, you know, head and shoulders are above them in terms of, like, popularity and, like, merchandise sales. The the concept of stables in New Japan is also, uh, you know, uh, something that, that I would say kind of sets it apart from other promotions. Um, and in terms of their stables, like, there are sort of, like, varying degrees of how how uh, close I would say all the members are and how significant the stables play towards uh, their stories and their, their characters. Um, LIJ certainly seems to be the, the group that is the tightest knit, uh, more so than, you know, the Bullet Club, more so than certainly Chaos. Uh, can you talk a little bit about maybe the, 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 that, that system that they have in place and why they have it? Of factions. So they've, yeah. they've always kind of had, like, the, the main roster is usually comprised of, like, the top eight faces, and they're always considered, like, the New Japan regular army, so to speak. A lot of, like, promotions in Japan have their regular army. Dragon Gate has their regular army. Um, not anymore, but they used to, like, the Dragon Gate regular army, the All Japan regular army. Then they'd have different factions. Usually some are, like, tweeners. Some are heels. So in, in New Japan, it was the regular army, and then you had Chaos, um, which was led by Shinsuke Nakamura. And they're kind of de facto heels but they're still popular so they're kind of like tweeners then bullet club came along and they're all heels because that came out of like prince devitt for you know uh, finn balor turning heel carl anderson turning heel tamatonga and fale becoming heels and they became you know like this super like heelish group of foreigners and then just expanded to the young bucks to adam cole to aj styles kenny omega uh, Luke Gallows, so forth, so on. Uh, and then you have Naito. So Naito came back, he was originally a babyface, and when he came back and formed LIJ, he was a heel. But now they're so popular that they're de facto uh, babyfaces now. Mm. So this includes evil. He's a babyface. It's, right. it's strange. You know? and, and kind of rounding out the, the, sta- the, the notable stables in New Japan, uh, of course, Suzuki-gun and the final member of A Block, Minoru Suzuki, uh, this man is a MMA pioneer, but more importantly, perhaps the most gangster wrestler alive today. His signature moves are the gotch pile driver, the sleeper hold, and really, really hard slaps to his opponent's face. The man just turned 50 and celebrated his 30th anniversary in the business. Uh, it, it seems like he's having one of, if not the best career of his career, at least in, in pro wrestling. How do you feel he'll do in the G1? Um... It's hard to say. I don't know what the plan for him is going to be in the, in the coming year. Um, he won the IC title. He won the Never title. Um, uh, he's lost both now. But now, like, he's kind of, like, doing really well over in the UK. So he's been the uh, British Tag Team Champions with Zack Sabre Jr., and he just won the British title. And these are all for uh, Rev Pro in the mm-hmm. UK. Uh, he's doing really, really well. For himself, um, regardless of where he goes, I made this joke on Twitter where it's like it seems like now, like do you remember when like Suzuki Gun left New Japan and went to Noah and like kind of took over, mm-hmm. dominated there? I feel that they're doing that now 
over in in England with Rev Pro. Hmm. Rev Rev Pro now Rev Pro in 2018 is now was is Noah from 2015. I think that's awesome. Yeah, great. Um, so, yeah. So this year, I think he'll do well. I don't think he's gonna like finish high though in the block. So. Hmm. At this point, do you do you want to kind of give uh, your your top matches of A block, or would you rather wait till the whole thing before you? Well, I got I just talk about like all my I have like my top five list for sure. Yeah, please either block. I'll go through that now. Uh, let's go to, let's go over it at the end. So yeah. that's A block. All those people, all those participants uh, that we mentioned, will face each other, and the people with the uh, the two people with the most points, or actually the person with the most points, uh, wins the block, obviously. And he'll go on to face uh, the B block winner in the finals. The B block, um, this mm, arguably the more stacked block of the two. Um, Juice Robinson is our first uh, uh, performer here. Uh, the former CJ Parker from NXT. This is a man who requested his release from the WWE in 2015. He would go on to sign a contract with New Japan and entered their Young Line system shortly after. Uh, we talked about his match with Jay White from this past weekend. He's coming off of uh, uh, one of one of the best matches of his entire career. Just won the U.S. belt. The world is his oyster. What do you see for Juice Robinson in the G1? Oh, I think he's going to do really, really well. I think he's their breakout star this year, as far as like the the, the foreign wrestler contingent goes. Um, he's been steadily but surely given a, a nice push ever since last year, which was his first G1. Throughout this entire year, he's been given like nice pushes, push, 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 significant wins, uh, you know, featured matches. Uh, he's so popular with the fans. Um, he's done really, really well. I wasn't very high on him when he first came in because I didn't know if he was going to fit in stylistically in Japan. But he's acquitted himself really well in terms of like how he conducts himself uh, uh, in, in the back, it seems. And then like how he like presents himself to the fans and just really trying to get the fans on his side. So I, I think the, you're, you're totally right. I think this U.S. title win is very significant for him. Um, I think he's going to do really well in the tournament, not finish necessarily super high. I will say this. When I did the, the G1 contest that you can still do, I think, for free on the Post Wrestling site. You, uh, I you just have less fun. than 24 hours. So by the, depending on when you listen to this, you may be still, still be able to enter at uh, postwrestling.com slash G1. Yeah, I did it just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... He's not going to do – I think he's going to get four four wins and have four losses. But all the losses will be to, like, probably people, like, who are really, like, higher on the pecking order than him. And they're not going to, like, bury him. They're going to be, like, he'll he'll get over in those losses, as most people in the G1 do. His finisher is the Pulp Friction, which is the, uh, the unprettier for people who are familiar with that move. Uh, up next, we have Hiroki Goto, the current never-open-weight champion, another member of Chaos – uh, his signature moves are the Ushiguroshi and the GTR, which is uh, like a final cut into a backbreaker. Uh, our friend Mike Murray brought this up on the Cow Palace show uh, about how this is a man who always seems to do well, but always seems to get overshadowed by his opponents. Uh, what do you think of Goto, and, and what are you looking for him uh, from him for for the G1? I mean, I really think he hit his peak in like maybe 2010, 2011. Um, when would, when, I think he, he's won the G1 once uh oh he won the g1 in 2008 um and i but that's not his peak i think he had his peak year in like around 2011 where he was you know you, you could believe that he could have been come he could become the iwgp champion i don't think he'll ever win that belt quite honestly i think he's always going to be upper mid card 
IC title le- title is probably his highest level that he'll ever get to. Um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I think is like, mm. Goto's kind of you know position in the company at this point. Unless he does a drastic change, I don't think he did himself any favors by joining Chaos because the whole you know before he joined Chaos, he was like, I've got to beat Okada, I got to beat Okada, I can't beat Okada. Okay, I'll join Okada. <laughs> so, you know, he just kind of emasculated himself. You know, in in terms of his character. So hmm. we have a couple chaos members uh, to, to talk about here uh, coming up next. Also in the B block, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, this guy's nicknamed the stone pit bull, which I think is really perhaps the best way you could describe him. Like this is a man with, with the build of a human pit bull uh, that that's made out of stone. One of the most hard hitting and entertaining wrestlers in the world. Signature moves are the lariat and the brain buster. What are you looking forward to from uh, Ishii here? Ishii's always going to give you the best match of the tournament. doesn't matter who he's in the ring with. This G1 is built for him in terms of, like, you know, he might have a very quiet year. He might have a standout match, you know, Sakura Genesis, King of Pro Wrestling, um, maybe, maybe Wrestle Kingdom if he's booked high on the card. But he is going to have, like, nine, like, how many singles matches? Like, he's going to have five singles matches drop this thing or how many sorry i forget oh how many singles matches the math how is just, uh, how, however <laughs> one, many two, people three, are in the block five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. so he's gonna have nine nine ten ten matches he's always get, all of them are gonna be good in different ways because mm-hmm. he's always guaranteed to give you a really hard-hitting match um some people might have a you know bad match with this guy or you know like a yano match might be this guy if he fights yano he's gonna have somehow make it a really 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 good match you know Mm-hmm. Um, but he's never going to win the t- he's never going to win the tournament. But he, you guarantee that he's going to make it better. Why, why don't you think that he'll ever uh, become sort of the 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 the, the main principal uh, lead of, of a uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling? Um, his age is one thing. Uh, his look is another. I can see him if he ever won the title, it would be as a transition champion. That mm. that that would be his role. He's not a money maker. You know what I mean? He doesn't he doesn't look like someone that you would build a company around. Um, I think he's comfortable with that, though. I think he's comfortable with being like uh, someone that they rely on to have good matches with people, to kind of be a gatekeeper in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's reached heights of his career that he never thought were possible when he first became a wrestler. So he wasn't a New Japan guy. He started off with uh, Ricky Choshu in uh, his, his independent promotion and worked his way through, I think, working for Tenru, and then finally made his way into New Japan. And then he had to build himself like to where he is now. When he entered New Japan, he was like t- eating the pins, eating the pins. And then he slowly proved his worth, I think, to like probably people like, you know, Ghetto, who's known him for a long time. And to people like Nakamura, who like probably pushed for him to get like higher position on the card. So, you know, he, he's clawed his way to, the, to where he is now. I, I don't think he has any aspirations to beyond what he is uh, in the company as it stands right now. Up next, we have, uh, as you mentioned, his uh, chaos stablemate, Toru Yano, New Japan's, or at least the G1's resident comedy wrestler. Uh, his signature moves, I guess, taking the turnbuckle off, um, handing out DVDs. I actually have no idea what this, this dude wins his matches with because I, I don't dude. recall. Dude, don't you know who Shinsuke Nakamura learned the low blow from? Oh, from Yano, from of Yano. course. Yes, that's right. So he's someone I, I sometimes hear uh, people complain about having a spot in the G1. 
Uh, but I want to ask you why you think he always has a spot in the G1, because this is his 12th G1 coming out. Well, he's also someone you'd look at as a spoiler. Like, he'll, like, flash pin, like a, you know, top guy. You think he's not going to beat him. But I think the main reason he's in the G1 is he's a night off for these guys. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, like, when they see, like, especially maybe later on in the tournament, like, say you've just wrestled Ishii, you've wrestled Naito, you've wrestled Bad Luck Fale, and then next on, you realize, oh, God, who am I going to wrestle next? Yano. Oh, Amazing. He's I'm everybody's happy. favorite, I bet. Yes, he's every. I bet people are like, "Oh, I'm wrestling Yano early." No, <laughs> I want him like in like the second first week of August. That's when I want to wrestle him. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's an easy match to have. Like it's it's always comedy. I know a lot of people hated his match with Kenny Omega last year. I loved it. I loved it too. I, I, I'm not someone who like you know, t- tends to like Yano's shtick usually. But man, I thought, okay, if he's going to, I know he's going to have like a comedy match. If he's going to have a comedy match with anyone, I want to see him have a comedy match with Omega because Omega has that background from DDT of mm-hmm. doing comedy wrestling. And I loved it. I know a lot of people hated it, but I thought it was amazing. I mean, it's a break for the wrestlers, but it's also a break for the crowd because I feel like so many of these matches are going to be excellent, yes, but they'll also be like um, somewhat similar in like in tone. And I think wrestling, especially, you know, uh, in Japan could could perhaps often use a bit more comedy in uh in New Japan. So, um I think on the card the guy could, acts as a great break not just for wrestlers but for the audience as well. For sure, for sure. And up next we have Kenny Omega, uh the current IWGP Heavyweight Champion after ending Okada's reign last month in a record-setting seven-star match from the Wrestling Observer. He and Okada basically had what Dave Meltzer considers the best wrestling match he has ever seen. So he is now the undisputed leader of the Bullet Club after having just defeated Cody in his first title of defense last weekend. He's in this block with his tag team partner slash golden lover, Kota Ibushi. Um, their match in the B-Block uh, final show uh, that's taken place is perhaps the most anticipated match of the entire tournament. Uh, give me your thoughts on Kenny and what you're looking forward to uh, from him. Uh, Kenny Omega is going to have an interesting year because he's going in as the champion. So he's his role now is to uh, set up his next ch- two to three challengers between now and Wrestle Kingdom. So I think he's going to. I think I think Naito's going to beat him. Um, I have a feeling who else is going to. Let me just look at my thing for Omega. He's going to lose to I believe Naito, uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Maybe Goto. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on that. But I think those will be his next three challengers. Uh, I think Naito will be his challenger probably at King of Pro Wrestling, which is the October show, uh, which is like at Sumo Hall, which is like the, the biggest show of like the, the three major shows that come out of uh, following uh, G1. Yeah. Uh, so I think Goto or Sabre will be his September challenge. Uh, and he'll he'll win that and then he'll go to October King of Pro Wrestling and drop the title to Naito. Um, but he's going to have great matches with everyone. I think I I'm looking forward to him and, uh, Yano having a rematch. That should be fun. Um, but, and yeah, the, here's the interesting thing. Like the last time he faced Kotobushi was for DDT at their Peter Pan show, which was in 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just check. Uh, yeah, you- August 18th yep. of 2012. So it's been like six years since they've last wrestled. That was in Budokan. 
And that was a match where Kotobushi got himself banned for life from Budokan Hall. And that New Japan just kind of, I guess, lifted finally for, for the guy. Banned for life because he did a uh, an unsanctioned moonsault off of the balcony. That's right. Yes. Um, the the concept of the champion entering the G1 and subsequently losing the matches is, is a pretty interesting one to me. Uh, in particular because, I mean... Um, mm, the champion, I, I feel, in other promotions, doesn't necessarily always lose singles matches. But in this tournament, you kind of have the excuse that, hey, it's like, it's it's so many matches, and, and the champion, kind of under this high-pressure situation, being exhausted, could justifiably lose, leading to title matches um, for this uh, the, 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 the person beating him in the months leading ahead to Wrestle Kingdom to fill the champion's schedule. Can you talk a little bit about maybe how that works out? So usually the way challenge title challenges are, are set up is like the, cha- the the champion will get pinned whether in a tag match or like in some kind of like minor singles match that they think that most people think he'll win but maybe he'll lose and then okay he's got to he's got to defend the belt against that person um, not the only way ha- how that happens but it's it's one of the it's one of the main ways that a challenger will come come kind of come forward um, the purpose of the G1 of the champion being in there is to really set up the next two or three title matches between the end of G1 and the Wrestle Kingdom show. So it's really important, whoever the champion is, to have good matches with everyone, but especially with the people he's going to challenge later on. Because they're going to be for major like events. I think the September events are Destruction, and there's two Destruction shows, one's in Hiroshima and one's in Kobe. And then for the King of Pro Wrestling show in October. So uh, usually the November show is not really important um, as far as a title match goes before Wrestle Kingdom. Um, so, you know, like Okada's done it multiple times. Uh, Tanahashi has done it multiple times in the G1 where he loses to his next th- two to three challengers before Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. Up next, we have Kota Ibushi, uh, Omega's tag team partner, perhaps one of the most gifted, uh, if not most insane wrestlers in the world. His uh, signature moves are, are the Kamagoye, which is a double wrist clutch, uh, knee to the head, the last ride, and the Phoenix Splash. Uh, what are you looking forward to from Makoto Ibushi? Oh, everything. I think he's one of the most interesting people to be in this tournament. He's been, this is his fourth one, 2013, 2015, and last year uh, were his previous G1 uh, entries. He's, he's such an amazing wrestler, like, he can, and he can work such a diverse style. Like, he can do high-flying, he can do, like, shoot style, he can do comedy, he can do everything. So I'm looking forward to his matches with Yano. I'm looking for, I think, for me, his rematch with Sabre, who he lost to in the New Japan Cup, is going to be really good. Um, I, like, I think, I look at up and down his block, like, the Robinson match should be really good. I think he'll have a sleeper with Sonata. I think that's going to mm. be one of those matches that you, you think, oh, okay, that should be good, but it'll probably blow people's mind away when they actually have it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and then, yeah, I'm so excited. So, I like, I think I mentioned to you, I'm going to five of these shows live, mm-hmm. like the two Osaka shows, and I'm going to all three shows at Budokan. Wow. The finals of the A block, finals of B block, and then the finals on the last night. Um, when I saw that Kotobushi and Kenny Mecker were going to have a match at Budokan, I lost my mind. <laughs> One, I, I was so surprised because honestly, before they announced the matches, I honestly thought that Ibushi and Omega had a very, very good chance of being the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. 
mm-hmm. uh, due to like the the storyline they've been doing with the Golden Lovers since their reunion, being tag partners. And I thought G One would be the would be kind of the crack in the relationship, and that he. And so to that end, I thought before Kotobushi was going to become the the winner of the G One Climax this year. Now I don't think that's going to happen because they're doing their match at Budokan already. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think now I'm going to see it live. That's that. That's amazing because they have not done this match in, since like 2012. That's it's going to be very very special. What where do you see uh, uh, Kenny and Kota Ibushi uh, at Wrestle Kingdom this year if they're if not in the main event? I'm not sure because at first before they did the angle where they reunified everyone in the Bullet Club, um, I honestly thought that maybe the Golden Lovers were going to fight the Young Bucks for the IWGP Tag Team Titles, mm-hmm. which I think would which which would have been like maybe second or third from the top and i would have been an amazing tag match and i think really really good for wrestle kingdom i don't know now where that's going to go it's it's really up in the air mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 the thing that's kind of wonderful yet kind of frustrating about new japan is like you don't know where the booking's going to go and speaking of the bullet club uh, of course the aforementioned tamatanga is also in this b block perhaps the g1 participant who has gone through the biggest transformation over the past week uh, he is a founding member of the Bullet Club with Finn Balor, Bad, L- Bad Luck Folly, and Carl Anderson. And until last week, he was sort of relegated to like a background role in the midst of this le- leadership struggle between Kenny and Cody. Uh, when that feud ended last week, Tonga, along with his brother Tangaloa and their father, King Haku, turned on the rest of the Bullet Club and are now... Seemingly the leaders of their own sect of the Bullet Club, or maybe something different altogether. Uh, this greatly elevates Tamatanga into a direct conflict with IWGP champion Kenny Omega, who's also in this uh, bracket. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna maybe switch like Omega losing to Goto to Omega losing to Tonga hmm. in, yeah. in the tournament. Um, I didn't have him like very high in my points, uh, Tamatanga. I had him like at like four points at the end of the tournament, but I'm gonna say maybe he has a chance of getting six to eight points by the end of the tournament. I don't think he's gonna like beat everyone, but I think he's gonna be beat key people, probably other Bullet Club members. I think he's gonna beat. He, there's a good chance he's gonna beat Omega. Uh, who else is in there uh, from the Bullet Club? I think he may. I don't think he'll beat Abushi. I, I think he has a good chance of having a decent match with him. Uh, who else is in here that he's probably gonna beat? Uh, yeah, I feel beat Yano, but I think his big match, like his sig- key signature match, will be against Kenny. Everyone else, it doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. It's against Omega. I think he has to like really perform uh, in terms of both the storyline and the wrestling itself. His finisher is the Gunstun, which is the RKO. Uh, and up next, we have Tatsuya Naito. You already spoke uh, quite a bit about maybe how uh, the current incarnation of Naito came to be. He's the leader of Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, some someone I think who who most of the world thought would be the one to take o- Okada's belt earlier this year, that didn't happen. Instead, Na- Naito ended up in a feud with Chris Jericho, where he lost the IC belt uh, about a month ago. So, how would you uh, classify his year, and what do you uh, again look forward to from him? I don't know. Like he's he's bulletproof, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, you know, kind of. It yeah. doesn't matter if he loses; he's bulletproof. He's so popular. I think it, it his character, the Tranquilo character, like really kind of makes him bulletproof in terms of the storyline, whether he loses or not. Like he didn't want the icy belt, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Like he's like, 
I don't want this. Like he he didn't disrespect it like he did before the first time he won it, but he just wouldn't. He just leave it. So like, I don't really want that. So like the, the thing with like losing to Jericho didn't really mean that much. I don't want to say it was insignificant, but to, for his character, it's like I'm okay. I lost. He, he beat me. I'm gonna fight him again in the future probably. He can keep the belt. I I didn't really want it anyways. You know, and it's not burying the belt. It's not burying like Jericho's win. It's just how his character is. Um, so he's had a really kind of roller coaster year. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did not like that match he had with uh, with Suzuki, where he he won the belt mm-hmm. from him. I thought it was really strangely paced and booked. It's and it's amazing to say that considering we're talking about Minoru Suzuki and Tetsuya Naito. Um, I think this is his year to like get significant wins. I think. He'll get the win over Omega. He'll he'll get the title shot at King of Pro Wrestling. He's going to win the belt, and he'll be the champion going into Wrestle Kingdom. I think that's the booking trajectory for him this this year. So he doesn't really have to do that well in the tournament necessarily. His signature moves are the Destino, which is sort of like a standing sliced bread, the Gloria, and the Stardust Press. Up next, we have his stablemate, another member of LIJ, Sonata, who's uh, more of the strong silent type uh, of LIJ. He had a big title match earlier this year against Kazuchika Okada, where he looked great, but obviously didn't win. Uh, But he spent the majority of 2018 as tag team champions with Evil. Uh, He's got signature moves with uh, the Skull End, which is a dragon sleeper, and the Moonsault adopted from uh, Keiji Muto. Thoughts on Sonata and, uh, yeah, your thoughts on his G1? I think he'll have a pretty good G1 this year. Um, I think he's going to finish really high in the points. Um, I think him and Naito are going to have an absolute belter. That's my prediction. Mm. Him and Naito are going to have an amazing match. The thing with like Naito is like he'll always say he's not the leader of LIJ. He's kind of like their their teacher, their mentor more, you know? Mm-hmm. He, his, his thing has always been, I want evil to surpass me in the future. I want Sonata to surpass me in the future. If you watch like the the backstage skits he has with Hiromu Takahashi during the best of the super juniors. Mm-hmm. A lot of what Naito is telling him is like, you have to work harder. I want you, I'm pushing you to work harder. He might like tease him and during matches or like kind of, kind of, I don't know, like not bully him, but kind of like taunt him to work harder to, to like, you know, challenge yourself, push yourself. And it's always like, like Takahashi looks at Naito as like his mentor. This is actually like how he is in with uh, the young the young younger guys on the roster apparently like he has that kind of same relationship with uh, uh, Yohei Tanaka um, and I think with some of the other guys in the dojo. Hmm. He's the kind of guy that goes to the dojo a lot apparently and hmm. trains with them and takes care of them and gives them advice. So he's kind of more like this mentor figure to Sonata and Evil and Bushi. And he's like, I want these guys to eventually become their own men, like become beyond me. Like, we can all be LIJ. You can be the champion. I'm not going to be jealous of you. I'm not going to... He's not going to be Ric Flair, like, turning on Lex Luger because he's going to become the, you know, new world champion or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Our final member of the B block is Zack Sabre Jr., another member of Suzuki-Gun and uh, tag team partner of Minoru Suzuki's. Uh, he had a big year in New Japan, uh, winning the New Japan Cup earlier and uh, upsetting several top stars in that tournament in uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kota Ibushi, and Tetsuya Naito. Uh, he would go on to lose the subsequent title match against Kazuchika Okada, but as of two weeks ago, he did the unthinkable when he pinned titleless Okada at the Strong Style Evolved UK show. 
So uh, it's worth that. It's worth noting also that coming off of that, when he he took a pinfall loss from uh, Taru Yano in uh, in the Cow Palace show in a tag team match. But uh, what do you think of Zack Saber Junior.'s 2018 thus far, and what are you looking forward to uh, from him? So my favorite wrestler this year, I think the person who's had the most interesting years for for having good matches with everyone and just in different places has been Will Ospreay. But a very 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 close second has been Zack Sabre Jr. He's had an amazing year. He submitted Naito, mm-hmm. Ibushi, Tanahashi in the finals, and I believe Sonata before the finals. He didn't submit Okada, which is interesting to note. He pinned him. Um, but he is someone that obviously, he just signed a contract too with New Japan. He he dissolved his ties with most of the American indies that he's working with, like WBN and Evolve and Purse and Gorilla, like he doesn't wrestle any regularly in the United States more. His focus now is Europe and Japan. And I think it's because he knows, they've probably have told him, we have big plans for you for the next two years. I don't think, um, I, I don't know where he's going to go in 2018 up until Wrestle Kingdom. I imagine he's going to get one of the secondary titles. Uh, I don't know how they're going to get the belt, the IC belt off of Jericho, but if anyone should get that belt, I think it should be Zack Sabre Jr. Mm. Um, I think he would acquit himself very well with that belt. I think he would he would make that belt uh, in, as important as when Nakamura held it. Um, that match they always had big they, they always had big plans for him. That match sounds so interesting. I, I mean, just to picture of Chris Jericho taking on a Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, and and maybe even just outside of the ring, some of the promos that would ensue. Uh, it, it it's very uh, appealing to me. Um, I, I don't I don't even know where to begin with like Zack Saber Jr.'s uh signature moves. These uh the European clutch is, is one of his big ones and that's what he used to pin uh Kazuchika Okada. Sort of like um I, I mean a jackknife using his legs is the best way that I can describe it. And of course um the the move that he's been trying to get over uh over the the past year year has been the orienteering with Napalm Death and that is the move that he used to uh defeat Tatsuya Naito. So I look forward to that that rematch a lot. Um, so those are all the blocks at this point. Wh, I want to ask you um, first of all, yeah, what are the matches that you're you're looking forward to the most uh, from both uh, okay. sides? Okay, so my top five matches that I'm greatly anticipating are number one, Kenny Omega versus Kotobushi, August 11th at Budokan Hall. Uh, like I said before, they haven't had a match, a singles match against each other for six years. The last one was at Budokan Hall, so the venue plays a big part in like the anticipation of this match um number two jay white versus kazuchika okada which will happen on the 14th which is the opening opening night of the g1 at oda city gym uh i think you're gonna see a big angle like a big chaos split maybe Hmm. maybe similar to what happened with uh the bullet club so he's either gonna break away from chaos he's either gonna form his own group or he's gonna take a significant number of chaos who resent okada and like maybe create his own chaos group and maybe kick Okada completely out of the group. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. I think the, both the match and the subsequent angle from that match are going to be really, really good. Cool. Uh, number three, I have Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kenny Omega. They've only met, wrestled once, I think, back in 2013, somewhere in the UK. Uh, so this is kind of a first-time match between Zack Sabre of today and Kenny Omega of today. So it's it, that's brings a total, you know, like, fresh dimension to this match. I, I'm really curious to see how their styles are going to mesh together. 
because like Zack Sabre Jr. is submission oriented, very like methodical in his wrestling, whereas Kenny Omega is like, you know, like sprint, 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 mm-hmm. high spot, high spot, high spot. So we'll see how that's going to work out. I think it'll be a very, very smooth uh, mixing of their different styles because they're both excellent wrestlers. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I think Zack Sabre Jr. against Kenny Omega is going to like really determine like the direction that New Japan has for him throughout the rest of the year. Uh, that match takes four? place, by the way, on uh, August 1st. August 1st, yes, in Kagoshima. Uh, number four, Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Bushi, uh, which is a rematch uh, that they've ha- uh, they had last year. That'll take place at uh, on August 4th in Osaka, which is a show I'm going to. So I'm very excited about that. They just, you know, these two have amazing chemistry with each other. I think Ibushi in New Japan, uh, the, the three people he's had the best matches with, are um, Okada, uh, Nakamura, and Naito. I think like anytime you have him fighting against any of those guys, it's amazing. Uh, so I think it's going to be really, really good. Uh, finally, number five, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazushika Okada, um, August 10th at Budokan Hall. I'll be there live. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to see where it's going to go. I think Tanahashi is going to get uh, one of the few w- wins over Okada in the tournament. I think it's going to play a big part in like um, the, the final standings and who see who's going to go into uh, the finals. Um, I think Okada will go into the finals. I think he'll just be ahead on points, and Tanahashi will beat him, but he's not going to beat him in points. Um, so, hmm. but it, it'll be an excellent match. It's the main event of the last night before the actual final. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think they're going to tear the roof down. I I can see it becoming a tie as well. You know. It's entirely possible. Um, I next have my top five sleeper matches. Which yes, I please. Think are matches that maybe not people are talking about, but I think could have the potential to be like uh, like four five star classics. Uh, number one is Minoru Suzuki versus Togi Makabe. So they had the match for the uh, Never Open Weight title recently. That was a great match. Uh, it was the best Makabe has seen like in a year years. I can't remember the last time I saw a match that he was in that was that good. Um, so anytime these two get together, they have really good chemistry with each other. Makabe is not afraid to go like full out against Suzuki, and Suzuki's not afraid to do, thing, to do the same thing with him. I think they're probably the best brawlers in New Japan right now. So, and it's going to be different. It's, they're not going to have like a technical, you know, match. They're not going to have a high flying match. They're not going to have like you know, thirty thirty minute like a sprint or thirty minute like dropping each other on each other. They're just going to beat each other up, which is going to be really refreshing to see, I think. Uh, number two, uh, Bad Luck Fale versus Hangman Page, uh, hmm. July 14th, Oda City Gym. And I say this because I think this is going to be a very angle-heavy match. I think this is the, where it's going to be revealed who like uh, Bad Luck Fale is going to side with. And I think he's going to murder Hangman Page <laughs> in this in this match because I think it's his first match since he's lost all this weight. I think he's going to try to prove something. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of shenanigans outside the ring as well. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be it'll get a lot of buzz. I think for the angle. Uh, number three, Tamatonga versus Kenny Omega. Same reason. It's like the first match between these two since they split, since they formed. I think it's going to be like incredible heat between these two. And really, I think for me, I said this before. Um, it's going to be 
uh, do or die for Tamatanga. Mm-hmm. Like as, as far as like his position in the company, if he can't pull off an exciting match with Kenny Omega, then if I'm management, I'd be like, okay, well, we've given this guy tons of tries. He doesn't live. He doesn't rise to the challenge. Maybe just okay. He is where he's going to be. Uh, if he has a good match with Tamatanga and other people in the in the tournament, I think he's going to raise his stock significantly. I think he's going to raise his profile on the roster higher. Um, that's going to take place uh, uh, the 21st of July yes. at Korokin. So it's going to be hot. It's going to be a hot crowd for that show. Uh, number four, Tetsuya Naito versus Sonata, LIJ versus LIJ. Um, first time, I think, they've ever fought each other in a singles match or in any kind of situation. Uh, Sonata is the kind of person that I peg as a future IWGP heavyweight champion. Um, you know, with Shibata being gone, I think Sonata kind of like not took his place, but he's kind of like kind of jumped on the path that Shibata was going to go on where if he didn't get injured, Shibata was going to become IWGP, IWGP champion either this coming year or in 2020. I think Sonata has a good chance of being on that path to becoming IWGP champion in the next two to three years. So this is, I think this is one of his going to be kind of like his coming out party against Naito. August 8th uh, for that one. August 8th for that one in Yokohama. So that's going to be a good crowd as well. Uh, finally, Jay White versus Hangman Page. They had a match at the last Long Beach show, I think. Um, I, I picked this match because I think these two guys are probably the hungriest on this roster. Uh, Juice Robinson notwithstanding that they, they have a lot to prove. I think Jay White's finally coming into his own skin. He's like, okay, you 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 put this character on me. You put this rocket on me. I'm going to prove that you you picked the right guy for this. And I think he's just going to tear it up. I think Hangman Page, this is his first you know, G1. This is the f- highest profile he's ever had in wrestling. I think he's going to be like, okay, this is do or die for me. I'm going to make it in this company. I'm going to make it in this tournament. I'm going to, and these two have good chemistry. I think they, they wrestled a lot of each other um, in ROH during Jay White's excursion there. They had the match in Long Beach. They, they, they mesh really, really well. I think there's people are going to be talking about this match after it's done. And that's in uh, Takamatsu on Ju- July 30th. I want to hear now, WH, your predictions for the block winners as well as the finals. Okay, so block winner for block A will be Kazushika Okada. Uh, I have him at 14 points at the end of the tournament. Uh, and then for B block, I, I picked Kota Ibushi, um, and uh, I have him at 13 points. B block was a lot harder to book than A block. Mm-hmm. A block was difficult, but B block was way more difficult i was like erasing okay no he's gonna win no that doesn't make sense that doesn't work the math doesn't work there okay i gotta because i had to i had to have some draws in there as well because that you're always gonna have some draws in the tournament um and then yeah okada versus ibushi which i think is gonna be amazing uh and i think okada's gonna win the g1 i think naito's gonna beat omega in the tournament naito's gonna get the title shot before um wrestle kingdom Okada's, Naito's going to win the belt, and then you're going to have this amazing, like, parallel, you know, storyline of Okada wants the belt back. Naito finally wants to beat Okada at the Dome. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Lovely, lovely. So uh, those of you who haven't entered yet, uh, WH is uh, 
uh, given his picks. Uh, but before we close up, we did open up uh, some questions on the uh, post-wrestling forum uh, for CAFE members. So if you don't mind, WH, please stick around and answer some of these. First sure. up, we have Christian who asks, Hey guys, one of the things I like about New Japan is how they have a Mr. Something. Goto is Mr. New Japan Cup. Masahiro Chono is still known as Mr. G1. I was wondering, is Chono still part of New Japan and the G1? And do you see him ever losing that name? If so, who would you pick slash guess to be the new Mr. G1? Um, actually, Tenzan kind of became the new Mr. G1 uh, during his like string of you know winning the, the G1 in succession. Um, that you know Tenzan at that time was someone that they relied upon to kind of keep the wrestling business uh, up in New Japan. They were going through like a really tough time before Tanahashi became the champion. Um, yeah, Tenzan's won that thing like three or four times i think he's tied with chono maybe um yeah uh, as far as the current crop who's going to become mr g1 i don't think they're really looking at that i think now the g1 is like kind of being spread out to like create as many stars as possible Mm -hmm. up next we have uh daniel who wants to know over the last few years of extensive coverage by john with the g1 it seems that in recent years the g1 has become more and more intense with the amount of matches dates, injuries, etc. When did this trend begin and when did it start? And in your opinion, what would be a good balance for the future health of the wrestlers? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, like, so the G1 has always fluctuated between round, round robin and uh, single, single elimination tournament. Uh, they haven't done single elimination for a long time. It's not been in the last, I'm going to say, three years that they've really intensified the amount of dates that they've done, increased the number of people in the G1. Um, I think they should just have more breaks between the matches. I think they should have less people in the G1, to be quite honest with you. I think it should be something that's really more prestigious than it already is. And that means like you have less people in the blocks. Um, I'd say have eight people in the blocks, each block, and then you have less dates. The thing is, is like the G1 is a victim of its own success. Like it's a big moneymaker at the live, at the live house. I think it, 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 boost up their subscriptions on New Japan World. Um, like normally they, they, they hold it at, uh, at Sumo Hall. They, it's so successful that they've, that they've moved it to Budokan, which holds more people. I think they sold out the first, the, the final night, they sold out like within a day, maybe sooner. Um, I don't know what the ticket situation is for um, the, the two nights beforehand, but uh, it's it's not easy to get tickets for any of those nights anymore. So, hmm. it, it, I don't know. Like they're not gonna lessen it. It's they're just they they see it as like, well, hey, it's it's prestigious. These guys got to go out there and wrestle. You know, that's what that's what their job is. Uh, Jesse from the six up next kind of touches on what you just hit on, and he wants to know if you can wh explain the significance of New Japan running the Budokan Hall. He knows that traditionally all Japan used to run the Budokan, but why? How did Budokan become All Japan's and New Japan get Sumo Hall, if that's correct? And why did uh, each respect the other's territory? I think, you know, Giant Baba had a, had a very good relationship with Budokan. Uh, they got kicked out, didn't they? I think, I think, like, for John's Vader thing, I think they got kicked out of Budokan because of the Vader thing, that the riot that was started there huh. at Budokan. As I... I Correct me if I'm wrong. I think him and Chris Charlton talked about that briefly. Um, but it's always been, you know, Budokan's always been All Japan's 
uh, and then later Noah's building. Um, New Japan kind of just said, okay, you can have that. Like, so they always ran uh, Kokigikan, Sumo Hall, and it's always been that, that, like that. Um, but now no one runs Budokan. Noah doesn't have the money or the, the, the drawing power to, to run Budokan. Um, DDT has run it, but, you know, like, and, they're, and they're successful enough, but I don't think they've ever sold out Budokan as far as I know. I'm not a DDT expert, so I can tell you. Um, I think it's significant that they're running Budokan because it, it kind of signals a, a popularity increase, a, a, this continued surge of popularity of New Japan wrestling in particular, to be able to go back to this building. Um, I think it's also really significant that, you know, they, they, they're doing it in a, and they were able to lift the ban on Kotobushi to let him to wrestle there again and have the match with Kenny Omega, the guy he wrestled with that got him banned there in the first place. Yeah, certainly. Up next, we got an MJ who asks, he wants to know uh, about outside talent entering the G1 and uh, talks about uh, him feeling like Punishment Martinez would have been uh, a, a good choice for that this year. Uh, so, uh, yeah, can you maybe uh, talk a little bit about perhaps uh, how New Japan has used uh, the G1 to introduce new talent uh, that's not typically on their roster into the, the system? So usually if they hire um, Japanese talent, it's usually a big star from another company that will come into the G1. Uh, most notably in recent years was uh, Namuchi Marafuji from NOAA. Um, he creates a lot of intrigue. Um, usually they're not going to pick like some lower card guy from another Japanese promotion. They'll pick up one of the main eventers or one of the big stars to come in. As far as foreign talent goes, I think they use the G1, um, an invitation to the G1 as a kind of like, hey, we're really interested in you. We've scouted you. We want you to be part of our roster full time. So that's why I say like Hyman Page getting the invite to go into the G1 is mm-hmm. really significant. Um, I think you're going to see him become less of an ROH guy and more of a New Japan guy. Um, I'm surprised they didn't put Jeff Cobb in this tournament. I think he's someone that they're really, really high on. Um, but maybe next year. I think he's going to get a contract at some point in the near future. Um, I think his last you know, couple of months in the company doing the shows here in Japan during the Kizuna Road Tour, he did the CEO show, uh, he did the, the Cal Palace show. Yep. So he's, he's doing, he's, I think he's going to get in next year mm-hmm. in the G1. Uh, and Rob kind of asked if you could pick, mm, let's, say, let's say two more uh, foreign talent to enter the G1, who would you have chosen this year? I would have chosen Walter from WXW. Uh, foreign talent. I, I would have, you know, I would have elevated Will Ospreay to the, not the heavyweight division, but because like sometimes in the G1, you pick uh, the top junior in the company to, to enter the G1. They did it with uh, Koji Kanemoto. Uh, they did it with Prince Devitt. So I would have, I would have had Will Ospreay, you know, go into the G1. I don't know if his body could have taken it though, after mm. the year, year he's had. Yeah. We go to Stefan from Ajax who asks, who is your dark horse to win this year? For example, while it's not at the top of my list of likely outcomes, I can totally see Tanahashi winning the tournament and going up against Kenny Omega at the Dome. Do you have a dark horse horse to win the the G1? My dark horse? I'm going to say Minoru Suzuki. Oh, wow. Because he's never won the IWGP title. Hmm. And I think at some point they're going to kind of give it to him as a reward. You know? And up next, Doof Daddy asks, 
Does releasing the match listing for each night in advance kill some of the drama of the tournament? It's almost like you can see how the tournament may flow, especially knowing the main events of the final night for each block. No, I think, you know, the, the whole point is to draw people to buy tickets to see the show, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you have to. I don't think it kills the drama because the way they book this thing is so intricate and like and it's designed to, you know, maximize uh, whoever you're pushing. It's designed to create drama. Um, you have to understand, like, I, I'm doing this for fun, and I'm and I'm having a hard time. Like, who? Okay, who's gonna get it? I have to have a tie here. Where am I gonna put that? Mm-hmm. No, I can't put do that. Like, I can't even imagine how many hours, how many days, uh, Ghetto and Jado spend like putting this together and bookers before them. It's mm. unbelievable, you know. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback uh, and questions for WH. You did a great job answering all of those. Uh, are there any like last notes that you want to kind of make mention before we close up here? No, like I'm I'm excited to uh, check out your coverage of all 19 shows. Um, maybe I've talked to John about this. Maybe I'll pop in with a live report from one of the five shows I'll be going to. Yeah, maybe all five of them on the phone very quickly. We'll see. Um, no, I just think this year is very, very, very exciting. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to the New Japan World, I think it's a good time to get in on that. I think they have a free trial. You maybe you, you'll try uh, it and then you like it. I didn't know about that. <laughs> Do they? Uh, I think they have like a first month free or something like that. I don't know. You have to go check. Uh, I'm a subscriber. I don't. I don't keep track of these. You, things. you know what? Ten dollars is worth it, especially for for all the uh, all the all the content that you're going to get this month. Um, but yes, if you, uh, as WH mentioned, uh, John and my, my myself will be doing shows every single night of the tournament, recapping uh, all of the five uh, G1 matches that are going to be taking place in all the tournament uh, shows. Um, and we're going to try to keep these relatively brief. We'll just kind of give our, our mat, uh, thoughts on the matches, maybe our recommendations about what you should be watching, and also to keep you up to date with the uh G1 if you don't have time to watch all these matches. So uh, all of those special podcasts will be taking place from the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon. If you like all the shows that you're listening to on the free feed and you want to support Post Wrestling, sign up. And as a bonus, we give you all these free shows. And as WH mentioned, uh, hopefully in some of those we, uh, days we can get you on board. And uh, yeah, I'm excited myself, man. Like, seriously, just uh, like doing this show with you, I think has really helped um, get get me excited. But even before that, just seeing like how intricate some of the booking is, it's 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 a it's a very rewarding uh, experience. Uh, paying attention to, I guess the the long term effects of like uh, the, their storylines that they're building up to. So this is sort of like their big mid mid season point, and uh, I'm fully in for the ride. And yeah, I want to thank you, WH, for uh, uh, being the expert uh, again on this uh, edition of Post Pro Res. No, thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed actually having a show with you. Mm-hmm. Really I think great. The, yeah. I think we did well. Uh, all right. Uh, where, where can people find you, WH? Oh, I'm on Twitter at WHPark9, the number nine. That's about it. And I am Way0937. John Pollock is, of course, everywhere at I am John Pollock. Uh, I'll be back with him on Friday, again, for the Post Wrestling Cafe, where I'll be reviewing Glow. Have you watched Glow? No, dude. It's so hard for me to watch regular television. Like, I'm trying to catch up on season three of The Expanse. And I, I, I finally got all, all the whole season of that. So I'm going to watch that. I want to watch Glow. I'm a big Allison Brie fan from Community. Mm. And this show has got nothing but praise. So I'm really looking forward to watching it eventually on Netflix here. I've enjoyed season two even more than season one. So uh, I'm, I'm recording that show later on today with John. 
Um, on the free feeds, uh, of course, a new edition of British uh, audio, British Wrestling Experience. That's the old show. British Wrestling Experience is is, is out uh, later today. Uh, up next will be up uh, tomorrow, and then uh, Eggshells, of course. Our friend Chris Charlton has his uh, podcast companion to his new book, Eggshells: A History of uh, Japanese Wrestling at the Tokyo Dome. That comes out Saturday, and he's got Paul Lazenby with him. And John and I will be back on the free feed on Sunday with a recap of Extreme Rules. Tell me you'll be watching that, WH. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be in Tokyo. You know, like, actually, oh, I'm going to be in Tokyo on Sunday to see All Japan Pro Wrestling afternoon show with Jojo Remy. I'm going to see a show with him. And then I'm staying overnight because Monday's a holiday, and I'm going to go see 11.45 a.m. stardom show with Jojo. Damn, wow. And, never, and we're going to get ramen in between. At uh at the Torriano's ramen place? No, dude, he has a bar. He doesn't have a ramen place. Oh, who's got the ramen place? What am I thinking about? I don't know. Oh, Kawada. Ah, okay. Kawada has the no, like I think he's gonna take me to the ramen place he took you. When oh, you were cool. Last time. Yep, yep, yep. In uh, Sudabashi. Yeah, yeah, in Sudabashi. We're gonna stick around Sudabashi. So it's gonna be an intense weekend. I'll I'll see what it's like. I'll read the review. Listen to you guys <laughs> review it. If, it, if you say there's something good I should watch, I'll watch it. That's how I watch WWE. I don't watch it like live. It's like someone says, this is good, I'll watch it. The only thing I care about in WWE is NXT. That's it. Mm, gotcha. All right, well, thank you again for joining me, WH. I hope, hopes, hopefully you guys got something out of this. John Pollock will be back next month with WH for a post-pro rest. Uh, until then, goodbye. <laughs>